0: Welcome to our new podcast, DLI Lingo. This is the second episode in our six-part series, Oh, the Places You Can Go with DLI. Last episode, we talked with Henry Clapett about his experience with Russian at the Berlin Wall. This episode is what I'm calling a podumentary. So this is a podcast uh, and a documentary of sorts about a reunion between two linguists who met 50 years ago in Taiwan. Their stories about their time at DLI-FLC were playful, but make no mistake, they worked hard. It was January 1969 when Private Vincent Zink arrived in Monterey to begin his training to become a 98 Golf, voice intercept operator. Meanwhile, Private Jerry Spivey, also learning Chinese Mandarin, had been at DLI since the fall of 1968.
1: I was in a class up on the hill further 50 years ago today. Not the first day, I'm just saying we were... You we started like 50 years ago last week, but I think I started in September, October of 68.
0: That was Jerry. He's speaking to a class of Chinese Mandarin students at DLI in January of 2019.
1: We, we may have met here, but we became friends when we were in Taiwan together. Oh. We lived in the same neighborhood in Taiwan, right outside of Taipei. Yeah. Cool. And uh, we just reconnected on a new thing called Facebook. <laughs> and we extended a Facebook. And came
0: out to visit. It's amazing what you can do with social media, right? After parting ways when they left Taiwan, the two lost touch for 47 years. At the beginning of 2019, they met up in San Francisco where Vinny and his wife live. From there, they decided they wanted to visit their old stomping grounds, Monterey, California. Of course, things are different now from what they were back in the 60s. Vietnam was at its height, and the draft was on everyone's mind. Here's Vinny talking to the class about the mentality at the time.
2: When we were here, most of the people in our class. Most of them were college graduates already. And then some had some college. There was a reason for that. Most of us who had graduated from college were afraid of getting drafted and getting sent to Vietnam in the infantry. So we figured the odds were better if we enlisted
0: The style of learning is similar now to how they learned back then. They also used headphones to practice their languages, or as Vinnie described them, headphones from World War II. The methods they had available in the 60s, however, definitely different. Now we have all kinds of electronic devices at our fingertips. Back then, they would take a big reel-to-reel recorder home for practice. To take a comprehension test, they would plug into a pipe that ran along the back of the wall. Here, in the hallway of one of the schoolhouses, after taking a peek into a classroom, Vinny describes the scene as he remembers it.
2: The, I, li- I was married and I lived off base, so I had this huge tape recorder. And for each lesson, we had the we had tapes. And every night I'd have to take them home and listen to that, and then practice the, the, the drills and the vocabulary.
0: It's fun to see how different the two of them are. Jerry says that Vinny was the studious one. In the car as we toured around the post, Jerry explained his secret to making it through.
2: had the ability, because in regular Chinese, without oh, the northern one. stuff, to just in class. But and to remember Chinese the last question. Answer. Answer. So no, 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 no. I I got it.
1: And everybody go, how you born you in this country sleep for 30, and 30 minutes and know what, what asked? What the taxi driver is saying in the capital, like there.
2: Of my country. The classes, so small. You can't, I mean, it's you, hard. You couldn't hide. You know, there's no place to go.
0: That was the other thing. Their military experience back then was significantly more relaxed. Their take when we said the soldiers did PT, they said, P-what?
2: When we came to class, we wore Class A uniforms. Mm-hmm. We did not wear camos or tees. They didn't have camos back then. <laughs> yeah. we, we didn't march to class. It was very loosey-goosey. I mean, it was really much more just like a school in a military thing. Much more like a
0: school. While we were driving around, Jerry told us a fantastic story that basically illustrates the difference.
1: So we would at 8 o'clock every morning, that's the only military thing we did. Would yeah. We would get in formation out here at 8 o'clock, and there was a platoon leader or something in front of four different platoons. The first sergeant would walk down those steps from the mess hall, get in front and yell, "Report!" and The four platoon leaders would salute the first sergeant saying, all present accounted for, all present accounted for. And then he would yell, dismissed, and we would walk across the street to the town school. One particularly foggy morning. (laughs) It was thick as it could be. We're all standing out in formation waiting for the first sergeant and looking at our watches. He was late. He was late. And I mean you couldn't see ten feet in front of him. And all of a sudden, we hear report. And the first guy looks and he doesn't even, you know, all president accounted for, all four of them went down. Somebody yelled, dismissed. We started walking over to the classroom and the first sergeant just started walking down the steps. Oh. Somebody had impersonal issues. <laughs>
0: Obviously, it wasn't all fun and games for them. Their classes were significantly shorter in length than they are today. Back then, the Chinese Mandarin classes were 39 and 47 weeks long, depending on whether you took the extended class. Now the length of class for Chinese Mandarin is 64 weeks. Here's Vinnie reciting their schedule from 1960s.
2: fourth hour was reading characters. Fifth hour was writing characters. And sixth hour was the introduction of the vocab and the grammar for the next lesson
0: it was pretty regimented. It must have been a good thing because they both graduated and were deployed to Taiwan.
2: We were 98 golfs, which were voice intercept operators. And then our secondary was M04B, 04 Bravo, which was translator-interpreter. So when I was in Taiwan, Jerry and I in Taiwan both originally worked as 98Gs, voice intercept operators. And then for a while, I got pulled off of position and put in the O4B shop, which I can talk about now. The the Chinese Nationalist Army from Taiwan sat on and Mazu and did the same type of intercept that we did. But instead of recording it, They did hand logs in cursive script. So we had to do a crash course of cursive script learning, and then we translated the hand logs into English. In Uh, Taiwan, we were called lingies. We just sat with headphones on. And we just sat and we turned the radio dial until so the way it was broken up is since we were army, we only listened to Chinese Army (laughs) broadcasts. Air Force only listened to Air Force. Navy only listened to Navy. And we knew which frequencies they were at, and we would just sit there and we would just turn the dial until we heard somebody, and then we'd step on the pedal and turn on the recorder. And we'd record it, and we'd take a hand log while it was going on, and then at night it would be transcribed.
0: After Taiwan, Jerry went back to Georgia to get his degree. Vinny, after getting some encouragement from a teacher here at DLI, went on to work on his language skills. Back in the Chinese classroom, Vinny detailed to the students where his life had taken him, thanks to DLI.
2: Uh, I got out of the Army. I continued my Chinese. I got my master's degree in uh, East Asian Language and Literature at Indiana University. And then I switched over and got my MBA in Finance after that. And uh, then I started working for a bank in uh, Chase Manhattan Bank in New York. And uh, they sent me to Hong Kong, which was supposed to be for six months. And I ended up being there for 10 years. So uh, uh, <laughs> I don't like to speak Cantonese because it doesn't sound very good. My like Cantonese is good enough to get into trouble, but not out of trouble. <laughs> uh, and so, after I was there for 10 years, I went back to New York and I was working for uh, AIG in their foreign investments department and uh, spent the next 12 years traveling back and forth between New York and Asia.
0: Turns out, Benny loved learning languages. He excelled in Mandarin. That was how he started out his talk with the students in the
2: classroom. <laughs>
0: Fortunately for us non-Mandarin speakers, he switched to English. Vinny liked learning new languages so much that he picked up Japanese and then Italian later on in his travels. After the classroom visit, Vinny explained what he found so helpful about the DLI course.
2: I got here just because, you know, as I said, the structure of the course, with having to memorize that conversation every night allowed you to start hearing yourself speak from the very first day. And you didn't have to go through that process in your brain of hearing what they were saying, translate it, think of your answer in English and then translate it in your head and then say it. So every night you memorize the conversation and every day first out you were paired off and you did the conversation.
0: takeaway from all this? Their time at DLI changed their lives and opened up so many opportunities that they wouldn't have had. Things they didn't know they could do or even what they were capable of. So don't give up. You can do this.